What's happening? And welcome to another Crossroads Connect podcast. Here we discuss everything from current Crossroad events to trending topics to how we can reconcile God's truth with the real world we live in. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Crossroads Connect podcast. I'm sitting here with Pastor Matt Manning, and today we have special guest with us, Pastor Chris Omdahl. We're excited to have you here with us, Chris. Thank you for deciding to come this morning when we asked you to be here. Yeah, no no problem. <laughs> so uh, lots of different things that we're going to talk about on the on our show today. Uh, we're going to start off with just talking about fears and, and how fear drives us and maybe here's some, some things that we're afraid of. Everybody's afraid of something. Um, and then we're going to go into just our emotions and really our our emotions through the current season that we're living in, and then uh, we just want to hear from Pastor Chris today about man, what does it look like to take care of our brothers and sisters in Christ? What does it look like to take care of the church uh, through this season when uh, we're social distancing, we're wearing masks, we can't get in everywhere like we used to be able to, and so what what does that look like, and and how can somebody receive help? Um, or help somebody else? I think that both of those are, are really important questions to answer. So uh, to get going, I, I was just thinking about fear today and how fear really drives us. And we all, we've all heard of fight, flight, or freeze. And uh, maybe we could just go around the circle here. And I'm, I'm a freezer uh, when it comes to something that really uh, freaks me out. So uh, when our, even with stupid things, like when we were uh, first had kids, and, you know, a kid would make a mess on the floor, and I would kind of freak out, not sure what to do, and I would just freeze. And Chris Theona's like, what are you doing, you idiot? Like, go get a towel or something. Like, do something. Uh, but it, for whatever reason, the response in my brain just says, stop. Um, and so what about you, Chris? What do you do? You know, it's probably a mixture of, of flight and freeze. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when I was a kid, I remember like most people being afraid of like the basement. Yeah. So whenever I'd have to go down there and get something and then, you know, you, it, it's like a race, you turn off the light and then it's like how fast you can get up the stairs yeah. and back to where other people are before otherwise the things before grab the, gra- the, the grabbing of your That's ankles. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so that was a, a flight. Those were some flight responses, but then, yeah, I can relate to that. I can freeze sometimes probably because I'm an overthinker. Mm-hmm. And so when I get scared, I can just stop and and overthink. I wish that I could have the fight response, mm-hmm. like the videos where someone gets scared and they just turn and punch. Mm-hmm. Like, I wish I could do that sometimes, mm-hmm. but I don't think I could. Yeah, uh, I, I don't either. Someone would jump out to like attack me and I would just be like, oh, well, let me just stop and mm-hmm. think about this for a little while. You know? Absolutely. Well, the, yeah. And that in, early on in our marriage... Uh, like Christiana just really wanted to know that her man would defend her, right? And so if anything happened, like we went downtown sometimes and, and people would like catcall at her and she'd want me to like jump up and be like, no, 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 you know, have that fight response because that's how she responds. You know, if I mm-hmm. freak her out, she'll deck me in a hurry, you know? <laughs> uh, but my response was just be quiet and get out of there as fast as possible and right don't away. cause extra trouble. Yeah. Um, and so that was my way of protecting, but she never, you know, so we, we've kind of worked through a lot of that. But uh, I'm going to guess, Matt, can I guess that you're a, you would fight? Yeah, I'm pretty much a fighter. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there's, uh, yeah, head on. 
let's see what it's going on, you know, that kind of stuff. Do you think about it or you just respond? Uh, it's it's more of just a response, yeah. yeah like I guess that's what fight, flight, or freeze is, right? It's just yeah, a, just a response. response. It was probably uh, two, maybe three years ago. It was like the middle of the night, you know, mm-hmm. and I heard something and it loud enough that it woke me up. And so I like got up and went and checked some things, you know, and so like I ran downstairs to see what was going on and uh, into the basement. Everything's locked up. The windows are all closed, like like nothing. So I come back up the stairs and so I'm thinking maybe it was like one of my kids, like maybe they fell out of the bed mm-hmm. or something like that. And so I walk into Mercy's room and uh, nothing's there. So I walk into the boys' room and I kind of look around and everything's okay in there. And so I'm thinking, well, I'm going to go back to bed. And so I'm walking in our main hallway back to the bedroom uh, upstairs and I notice that um, a light is on downstairs and I was for sure that I had turned that light off. And so now all of a sudden, like, you know, that... Here it comes. Here it comes, right? And so, yeah, so I marched into the room and uh, grabbed a knife, oh, yeah. right, a pocket knife, and I was ready to go. And so I'm sitting at the top of the stairs, you know, in my shorts, and uh, the shadow comes across the the bottom, in the bottom floor where the light's at. Like, I see the shadow, and everything rose up in me like, like, here it comes. Like, I'm, it. I'm going, you know? And so I'm starting to go down the stairs ready to go. And uh, somewhere in the midst of me checking on the kids, Sarah got up to get water. And so she was going down. She went downstairs to grab some water. Oh, and so man. it was her shadow. And she yeah. had turned on the light and yeah. all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, in that moment, it was it was go time. It yeah. was whatever's here is going to meet me. And, and Sarah's one of us okay, is gonna, right? Yeah, Sarah's okay, fine. Good. Yep, yep. <laughs> so, but, yeah, that, I didn't sleep the rest of the night, you know. Yep. Like, the, <laughs> the adrenaline oh, was woo, through the roof. Yeah. I, I wish I was more of a fighter sometimes. Uh, or being able to to respond quickly. Yeah. I'm I'm curious. I don't know why we. Do you have any thoughts on maybe why we're designed that way? Why Why do we have different responses like that? I don't know, but I also think that none of us respond the same way all the time. That's true. There are certain times where where we should fight back, and I think that we would know when those times are. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, but we probably all have a default um, based on just how we're wired and how our temperaments and, and our personalities and the way that we process through things. We probably have just a default of, of how we respond to fear. Um, but again, I think in any given circumstance, we, we might surprise ourselves mm-hmm. sometimes. Um, I used to work for a company, and uh, they did relationship enhancement like tools, um, and they were just talking about how the fight flight or freeze stuff is good like in danger you know because that's that's the whole reason that part of your brain takes over is to protect you from danger but then when it comes to relationships how the brain can't differentiate between you know what is a dangerous physical situation and what is a dangerous emotional situation and so a lot of times even in in our relationships with other people whether that's with a spouse or a friend or a colleague a co-worker uh, that uh, once that's triggered in our brain, if we we aren't able to understand enough of what's going on to kind of help course correct that, that it just becomes an, a, a response, right? Um, which um, can be very unhealthy. That's one of the things I think I've probably learned about myself is there's no small hill that I'm not willing to fight and die over, mm-hmm. right? Like any time that, that that fear response is triggered or um, I feel like 
being backed into a corner, you know, whether it's something incredibly small and totally irrelevant or something huge that I should be passionate about, the response is the same in that space. And, and it's something that I've had to kind of learn through the years of going, is this worth fighting? And Mm -hmm. still to this day, it's a a constant, like I find myself fighting and I go, what am I actually fighting for here? Mm -hmm. Like I'm just, and it's because I feel like I've been backed into a corner Mm -hmm. um, in those spaces. And in those moments, I wish there was a little bit of a flight or even a freeze, Mm -hmm. you know, at least where it's like, I don't say something stupid because I'm just in, you know, boxer mode. Yeah. It's interesting that it's really situational of, of how, we think we should respond, right? Because there, there's moments that definitely fight is the right way to go, you know? Someone's coming after your kids. You mm-hmm. can't just sit there and watch it happen. Like, you need to respond to that. But then there's other situations where it's important to pause and process before I think about social media, mm-hmm. right? Like, I think that a lot of times people are quick to respond on social media without actually thinking through what they're saying. They're just responding emotionally in the moment. Yeah. And that just causes more harm than good. Um, I I heard once someone said, instead of just posting it, write it down on a notepad, go to sleep, wake up the next day, read it, and then decide if it's actually worth posting or not. And I thought, that that, that could be a helpful technique, unless you're really, really angry, and then there's no stopping you anyway, (laughs) I guess. But um, yeah, I think about when I was a kid, so I used to be really, really afraid of storms. Like, Anytime it was going to rain, I thought for sure it was going to be a tornado or I was going to get struck by lightning. It didn't, it was just inevitable. It was going to happen to me. And that's how, that was my, my end. And so, uh, there is our, our second cousin came into town and took us up to the North Pole. You've been to the North Pole? Like up yeah. by Colorado oh, yeah, Springs? Yeah, Colorado Springs, yeah. Yeah, the, it's got the big Ferris wheel on the mountain. Yeah, yeah, has all the puke rides on it. That's the ones, yep, yeah, yeah. Uh, the best place ever. And Santa Claus is there all year round, kitties. That's so right. So, go check them out. Um yeah. Uh, and so we were coming home, and there's this huge thunderstorm, and we're on I-25, and we're not moving. And so when I can't get somewhere safe, I just immediately start freaking out. And so I, I was so terrified that I ended up puking in the back of her car. Um, and <laughs> this was there's a few times growing up that I remember my sister really taking care of me, and this was one of those times. And so I remember she laid my head on her lap and was like, you know, mothering me in the moment. And when my cousin's like freaking out, like, what are you doing? Why are you puking in the car? And my sister says to her, he doesn't like storms. Yes. <laughs> and it was just like, you know, Calm playing down, with my Jerry. hair and patting me and saying, he, he doesn't like storms. <laughs> just leave him be. And so um, I still to this day, if we're traveling and it's bad weather, like, I start to lose control inside because oh. I, ooh, we were coming back from Kansas uh, just a month ago, and there was bad storms, and I'm like, I, I get closer to God in those moments than I do any other time. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, wow. So there you go. There's a little insight into me. You don't still puke in the car, though. I do don't still puke in the car. That's good. But when we were in Iowa, we were going home, and... Uh, it was a bad storm, and I told Christiana to start. I said, sing a song. Like I, I, I'm like, just sing something. And so she started singing like, I don't know. I don't even remember what she was singing. And I, I'm like, no, sing a worship song. If we're dying, we're dying. Jesus Praise the Lord. Come on. Me this. That's right. <laughs> so I'm like going 100 miles down the road trying to get home. And uh, man, I just, 
I don't do well. Mm. It, it's bad. It's yeah. like the worst you will ever see me um, is driving and not feeling safe in the midst of a bad storm. Wow. So, I don't know. There you go. What about you guys? Any Anything that uh, is still a lingering fear? You know... I fear nothing. I, I, yeah, I don't fear... No. <laughs> um, I, was th- I, I was thinking about my dog. He doesn't like storms either. Mm-hmm. So... So there me, you go. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, um, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I think one of my underlying fears uh, that I have, that I've had forever, and probably will forever, is just the kind of the fear of rejection or fear mm-hmm. of of losing uh, what I whatever it is that I love. Um, you know, just that. It's not a fear that cripples me or a fear that I'm running from or fighting against, but it, it's just always kind of there in the background, I would say. Um, so, yeah, I think fear of just of rejection or failure or whatever. Loss, However you maybe? want to say that, loss. Yeah, yeah. I think all those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. What about you, Matt? You still have things that you're afraid of? Yeah, I mean, when I was a real little kid, it was ghosts. Okay. You know, and uh, that was kind of the thing. But I think the fear that's hung on from my childhood to this is probably due to my experience. So, like, growing up, my sister was in children's hospital quite a bit, fighting for her life. And um, anytime I'm in a hospital setting, particularly with kids, like, there is an anxiety that rises up in me in terms of all of that stuff that I faced, like, as a kid and just the fear of... Um, you know, the unknown, you know, I didn't know if, if my sister was going to come home or if this was going to be it, you know, a lot of times my parents weren't home, uh, in those situations. And, and so there's still to this day, you know, walking into a, uh, situation like that, like, like walking into a situation similar to what I experienced as a child. Like I don't walk into this situations with empathy for the people as much, as much as there's like this rising anxiety in me to, um, of all the things that I experienced. And so there's still, still a lot of that, that, um, that's a part of my life. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how those things, I was trying to track back, like what's the root? Mm -hmm. Like, where does this, uh, I don't know with storms, why that is something that is a root, but that's kind of a a curious thing to think back. I mean, yours has some obvious application to it, uh, but those things that that emotion really sticks with us, uh, throughout our lives. And, uh, thinking of anxiety and fear and, and just that drive in our culture and our society right now, that there's so much fear and anxiety that surrounds everything. Um, you know, we were, uh, you're flipping through Facebook or you see news articles or whatever it is. It just seems like everything has so much fear and anxiety wrapped around it. And it stirs up so much emotion with us. And, uh, just, we were one of the reasons that we wanted Chris to be here today is because as we're going through all of that in this weird season that we're in, it Chris is our our, our pastor of soul care, and so uh, is that still the technical title? Pastor of care. Pastor of care. There you go. Pastor of care, which I, includes I, your soul. Includes your soul. That's <laughs> fair. <laughs> and so, <laughs> I hope so. Anyway, um, and so uh, Chris, I just kind of wanted to ask you. How 
How are you approaching that in this season when, uh, you know, we have to be distanced and we're not meeting regularly and, and even just gaining information about, I mean, I know that there's been a lot of communication issues even with uh, us learning about uh, people that we know that are going through difficult times and we didn't even know. So what are kind of some of the things that you're experiencing um, through, your, uh, through the pastor of care seat um, and how are you tackling some of those solutions? Yeah, good question. I would say that um, I, I believe that the need for care right now, especially, is is growing on a daily basis. Um, and just to define that for me, uh, can you define care? Like, what what elevates something to the place that oh man, Pastor Chris needs to know because we need to take care of this person. Yeah, well, I think it involves a lot of things. Um, it can involve emotional and, and mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, issues that that people are experiencing it can involve uh end of life issues for either uh the family or the person who is experiencing the end of life situation um uh there's there, there's quite a few areas i think where when when i guess to boil it down it would be whenever someone just needs someone else to be present with them um we don't fix anybody uh Fix is kind of a four-letter word for me. Um, we don't. Does that mean uh, it's a curse word? Yes. Okay. So I just cursed <laughs> on your podcast. Got you. uh, fix. We don't Arr. ever go into something uh, expecting to fix them because, uh, well, one, we can't, and two, uh, when we try to fix someone, it often makes things worse. Uh, but instead, it's simply going into their situation, being present with them. Uh, empathizing with what they're going through and uh, offering that spiritual and emotional support that they need Mm -hmm. during that time. And so, yeah, this situation has been challenging uh, in in large part just because we don't see everybody every week like we're used to. Mm -hmm. Um, Without having services every week, on site and in person, we've just lost a lot of our communication with people. And so... um, so the it, word of it, mouth it, communication, right? Yeah, I yeah. mean we're still hearing about things, but but it's yeah it's it's m- much more difficult because usually those conversations happen organically on a Sunday morning after church or something where you see someone and and uh, and they just sort of unload what's mm-hmm. going on, and that's a perfect opportunity to sort of enter into that situation mm-hmm. uh, and offer some support, and so without that it's been a challenge, and so. Um, you know, we've we've done a few things uh, differently. One one is we recruited about thirty people, many of them uh, who are our Stephen ministers, uh, to to make regular phone calls every week um, to people in our congregation that are sixty five and older, um, realizing that there is a, a risk factor there, um, just with the age uh, range during this. Uh, this COVID-19 season. So wanting to reach out to them regularly and, and just have, just touch base. Mm-hmm. And so many of those There's phone a technology calls, piece of that too, right? Like, it seems like the older you get, the less engaged you are with technology. For some, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is why we're using old-fashioned telephones. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they seem to work well. Does it have to be a dial? <laughs> uh, or does... Like does, a rotary? Yeah, like a rotary. Uh, we prefer that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But we're okay with cell phones too. Is that where Rotary Club comes from? <laughs> um, 
Maybe so. I, yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't actually know. I don't know. Um, you have derailed. <laughs> wow, Continue. squirrel. Yeah, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> uh, so, so just making contacts. Some of those conversations are are real, uh, uh, just lighthearted and and easygoing. And some of them have have been really. Um, uh, really good in the sense of people who are struggling and just needing sure. someone to, to chat with. And so uh, what you think would, would be a quick phone call turns into an hour-long conversation mm-hmm. where they're praying with them at the end and encouraging them and, and that sort of thing. And so, yeah, um, so yeah it, it's been a challenging time. And, and I think that especially during this season that the, the need for care is growing. Um, we just don't see it mm-hmm. as, as easily yeah. Uh, the emotional and and mental health uh, challenges that are coming up because of the this season we're in, um, I think, are rampant and probably uh, exponentially growing as we speak. Sure. And uh, um, but again, being able to identify where those are and uh, and then to effectively be able to move into those situations has been a little bit of a challenge. Yeah. I think expectations uh, are, are an interesting thing um, because different people will have ex- different expectations as far as what is the church's role or what is the church's responsibility. And a lot of that is, is cultural. Some of that is age, you know, um, what, what, what kind of church culture did you grow up in? Um, are you familiar with it at all? And so my question to you would be is, uh, what's a realistic expectation as far as what is the role of the church, uh, and what what should be what is the responsibility of the individual to reach out if they need help? Yeah, great question. Um, well, I think to answer the question about what is the role of the church, that that's one of the unique things about the body of Christ that you don't see anywhere else in the world uh, is that the body of Christ cares for each other. Um, that uh, that we are connected to each other, that we are to be generous and sacrificial uh, toward each other, and um, and that we're supposed to care for each other. And it was actually at the beginning of Acts, the book of Acts, where <clears throat> they realized that oh man, we have we have several people uh, who who are in need, who are widows, or they're stuck at home, or whatever the the issue is, and that was when they commissioned Stephen uh, and then several others to to be the ones to go and to care for them at their homes, um, which is where the whole idea of Stephen ministry started. is uh, It's based on that idea out of Acts chapter six, and it's um, and uh, I love the idea of Stephen ministry because for a couple of reasons. One. Um, it's not the role of the pastors to do all of the care. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just not there. And even if it was, it would be impossible to do. It's so. an unrealistic expectation. Completely. Yeah. Uh, we can we can offer care, but not for uh, for a church our size, especially. So, um, and two, there are people, and I firmly believe this: there are people in our church who are given gifts by the Holy Spirit that are pastoral in nature. They are. Uh, gifts of mercy and gifts of compassion and gifts of encouragement. Um, however, for many of of pe- for many of these people, they their vocation is is somewhere else in the world. They are bankers or they are architects or whatever it is. So uh, so for many of them, they don't ever get the chance to exercise those gifts. 
uh, in this sort of way. And so what Stephen Ministry does is it, is, it, is it trains people who are gifted in those pastoral gifts to offer one-on-one confidential Christ-centered care that's long-term. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the other piece of it is that there's, there's the short-term care, which uh, we've always been really good at, I think, at, at Crossroads, where we can go and visit someone in the hospital. We can provide a f- funeral services for a family. Uh, but we also realize that those sort of instances are not, uh, you, don't, you don't heal from the death of your spouse in a, in a month. Um, you just don't. And so Stephen Ministry is designed to then come alongside those who are suffering for whatever the reason is, uh, but long-term. And so some of our Stephen Ministers now uh, have, been, ha- have had the same care receiver for over two years, where they're meeting regularly uh, every week to... Uh, to encourage them and and support them through yeah. their through their season. So, uh, so I think that answers your question. Yeah, absolutely. I forgot your other question. Yeah. yeah. See, this whole time I thought it was a ministry only for people named Stephen. Well, that's a plus. Yeah. If you name good dad Steve. joke. Yeah. Huh? Good yeah. dad joke. I, I've been watching a lot of dad stuff yeah, lately, you, and yeah, so I'm, I'm really in the dad dad joke vibe. There you go. So. Yeah. <laughs> I think that when it comes to like the season that we're in right now, you know, you have the fear, right? At, at a high, you have anxiety at a high. We're starting to see marriages fracture at a high rate, you know, because of this COVID season. And particularly when it comes to our emotions, I think that like emotions typically are neutral, you know, they're, they're not good or bad, but they signal that there's something wrong, right? Like, yeah. like fear is a good thing. If, if you're standing in front of a bear in the forest, fear says run, Right, like, like that's no, a good thing. Don't move. Freeze, like you. <laughs> don't yeah. run. Yeah. Don't <laughs> run. Yeah, you should work on that response, maybe. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. So, like, it, there's a signal that something wrong, and so I think the heightened anxiety, the heightened fear of this season, some of the other emotions that we're facing, yeah. are really pointing to that that it's not right. You know, that we're not home, and and we've lost a sense of control in that space where care becomes all the more important and. You know, Chris hit on it a little bit, but I think like this season is a difficult season in terms of of care at a couple of levels. Like, how do you care for someone in the church um, when at this point we're not really able to go into hospitals as pastors, right? Like, they can have one visitor a day, and we absolutely want that to be their their family, right? And so, how do we how do we care for people? We're in their hospital, or you know, just before this podcast, I was on the phone with someone who. Uh, has been in and out of the hospital dealing with some respiratory issues. Thankfully, it's not diagnosed as COVID right now, but but that person's scared. And yet there's the best that we can do at this point is make phone calls, right? Because we can't can't get into that space. And so I think that the the care space and what Chris is developing is um, is really good and needed in this season. And there needs to be a lot of innovation and creativity, which um, Chris is already and his team are already on and trying to figure this all out. Because yeah. the world is changing, you know. Absolutely. All of a sudden, emotions are at an all-time high. Fears at an all-time high, and our ability to provide good care uh, is at like a r- really low. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think too, on top of that, you have the regular challenge of of meeting those needs when life is somewhat no, quote unquote normal. But right now, with just the isolation on top of everything, um, isolation is never good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a difference between solitude and isolation. 
Solitude can be refreshing and restorative to us when we use it correctly. Isolation can uh, usually, I would say most of the time, only breeds uh, negative things. And so right now, especially when we're uh, many people uh, are locked at home, they're not able to go uh, and be a part of their communities. Zoom is 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 uh, barely helpful. <laughs> uh, there's a new thing called Zoom fatigue um, that people are having because they don't because you're just not able to communicate the the, the way that you normally do, and, and so there's that incredible loss of community for everybody, which then is leads to isolation, which then just compounds everything that that we're already feeling you know, when life is normal. And so, uh, so yeah, the isolation piece has yeah. been really hard. So to kind of start wrapping things up, I have, uh, there's kind of two tracks here, right? There is the track of, I, I am really struggling with something and I need that encouragement and support of a, of a Stevens minister. Or the other track is, man, I just really feel like maybe God is leading me to be a Stevens minister. And so maybe you could just address both of those. What's our process, our process right now at Crossroads? How would I get on either of those tracks? Yeah, I'll answer the second one first. To be a Stephen minister, we, we go through um, about 18 weeks of training. Uh, we actually just completed a training earlier uh, at the beginning of this summer. We completed another session of our training and just uh, commissioned 14 brand new Stephen ministers. And so it's a lot of work. It's 50 hours of class time. Uh, and then also on top that's of cause that. That's because you don't want to just throw people in there, right? You want to yeah, people to be exactly, adequately no. trained to do a good job. Right. So anybody that we connect with a Stephen minister, uh, we trust those Stephen ministers completely, uh, which is why we, we really see the Stephen ministry as kind of an extension of the pastoral ministry here at Crossroads, that, that any of our Stephen ministers, we can connect with someone who's, who's going through a difficult time and trust uh, them completely, that they will, uh, that they, one, have the skill to be able to do so, and two, um, be able to correctly and, and appropriately walk through that situation with somebody. So, so we don't do the trainings that often, and because we just completed one, uh, we probably will not have another one um, until the earliest, I would say, at this point, guessing would be um, sometime in 2021. Uh, I don't know yet if that's spring or fall. Probably fall um, is the guess, but we'll, we'll make sure everybody knows about that when we get closer to it. As far as becoming a Stephen, uh, becoming a care receiver, um, because we just graduated a brand new class, we have several Stephen ministers ready and, w- and willing and waiting for care receivers. And so uh, there's a few ways people can connect that way. Um, one is to simply uh, send me an email, um, uh, stephenministry at crossroadsabc.com or chris.amdahl at crossroadsabc.com. Um, they can also go onto our website, uh, crossroadsabc.com slash care. Uh, has all of our care ministry stuff as well as an entire section about what Stephen ministry is, how someone can get plugged in as a care receiver, uh, and, uh, and and what the steps are to, to do that. And so um, those are some of the simplest ways to be able to do that. You can even call the church if you'd like. If you don't want to email or check the website, just call the church. 
they, they will get you in touch with me, and we'll, we'll get you connected with a, a Stephen minister. Yeah, I think that we do our best to try to know things that are going on and get the care to people that they need. But the reality is, is that we can't always know everything that's going on. So just want to encourage anybody, if you're, if you're going through something that is really tough, if you're struggling through something and you just feel like, man, why isn't the church reaching out to me? Uh, part of the responsibility, I think, is for you to, is for you to reach out to us and let us know. Um, mm-hmm. Because we, we genuinely want to come alongside you and support you and encourage you and pray with you and walk with you through whatever it is that you're going through. And so I just I want to encourage you to do that, uh, to, to pick up the phone or, or, or shoot over an email. Um, but Chris, thank you so much for, for being with us today and for chatting a little bit. Matt, always fun to, to hear you yes. and, and what's going on. I can't wait to see what happens As in the, the podcast when the, on. yeah, I was going to yeah. call it the helicopter. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Um, but uh, so that noise that came on is the AC, which we are all grateful for. Um, yeah, it was getting hot in here. Yeah, yeah, so... It's, it's cooled us down nicely. But, yeah, so good to be with you guys. Uh, as always, as we are continuing to do these podcasts, uh, just if there are things that you are wanting to know or if you have questions that you want us to address or topics, please write those into info at crossroadsabc.com, and we would be happy to, to address those. We are in, in the middle of our Ask Anything series. And so, Matt, do you have that number off the top of your head? Yes, it is 720 720- Two three zero six eight six five. So if you have a question that you would like to be addressed in our Ask Anything series, uh, please note the date on the podcast because if it's after two weeks from now, the series will be over and we won't be able to get to your question. But you can always ask the question anyway and, and we can address it on the podcast. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Check us out there. Otherwise, man, thanks for listening and we will chat with you next time. <laughs>